does anybody have a good idea for an opener or just want to ask a question or anything like that or i got nothing you're supposed to come prepared fields you didn't do your homework ready to come prepared to, we to gave that job to you me i gotta do it I yeah, you always do it. So why would we do the cold opening? You know, I just thought maybe, hey, Fields, you like the center of attention. And aren't, so I figured that Mr. you would. Talk show host? <laughs> Mr. Talk show host. <laughs> but you like attention, Fields. I, I, I absolutely love all the attention. You're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to make him an offer again with Fields. I see dead people. Hasta la vista, baby. You can't handle the truth. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. So we saw uh, the third film in the uh, Hercule Poirot, uh, A Haunting in Venice. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. This was a movie that I've been looking forward to for a while. Uh, I love murder mysteries. Love them. And I really enjoyed uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Thought Death on the Nile was a little risque, personally. Uh, but I was, again, I like scary movies. And uh, and so when I saw the mixture of this in the trailer, I was like, ooh, I'm, I'm excited about this one. So let's get into it. Let's talk about A Haunting in Venice. Uh, so let's talk about, like, what's going on worldview-wise. What are some things that stuck out to you, fellas? Yeah, I think immediately when you, when you go in, you are struck with um, whether or not there is a spirit world whether or yeah. not it's just the material only or is there something beyond uh, all that we can see um is there the spiritual realm and and if so how do they interact and react and and all of that and i think so at the very beginning all the way through even into the end you're confronted with um whether there's a closed system uh and nothing spiritual at all one dimensional or whether there's an open system in which there is something beyond uh, the material. Yeah, I would agree. It was, there definitely was, there is, is there anything after the life that we're living now? Um, and I mean, it was pretty point blank. Is there really a God at one point? Perot well, yeah, Perot actually says the line, after death comes nothing in mm -hmm. the beginning of the film. And obviously every film kind of starts with him kind of, having kind of a set view of something. And then the idea of the film is to kind of unwrap that and kind of shake um, who Perot is in the hopes that, you know, he might be a little bit different at the end. What are your thoughts on that? Is there, is there a change in how Perot feels that? Cause again, Beals right after the movie, uh, cause we just, we didn't plan it this way, but Beals and I actually saw the film uh, at the same time. And uh, afterwards, we... stop real quick. That's the yes. second time you two just happened to go see the movie together. <laughs> I'm not involved. There's well, going you know. to be a trend here. Y yeah, it is very uncomfortable. It, it is personal. Um, yeah. It was like, yeah. oh, you're seeing it at that time too. Oh, well, yeah. what what a coincidence! I usually just I send him a text and I'm like, hey, if I were to happen to see it at 6 p.m. and you happen to be there, I you know I can't do anything about that. And if we happen not to tell with your thrills. wife, Matt, yeah, if you remember, I did. I, so, I don't and know. Beals, Beals will attest to the fact that he did. I was there with my wife, and, and he was, was there with his wife. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And we saw that we sat purposely on opposite ends of the theater, um, and that, and that's because I don't like any distractions. Uh, <laughs> oftentimes, Beals will like get up and yell at the screen. Uh, he's very verbal, very verbal, very actually very aggressive uh, yeah. with the movie. It's throwing, it's kind of, throwing my popcorn. 
That's right. That's right. Okay. okay. So yeah, he he talks about after death comes nothing. And then Beals, what was the line that um that you mentioned that he said uh in the movie? In the yeah, beginning? the thing that that uh, struck me, I think, in the whole thing is he's got this crisis of faith, right? That's the whole point. Um, right. And he admits that he once believed in God, and and yet uh, you know this takes place post World War II, and so the horrors of war have kind of degraded his faith in God to the point where. He has rejected that everything. And then he says at one point, as he's discussing the reality, potential reality of the spirit world, he says that if we have God, we have meaning, order and justice. Right. And so that automatically shows that he can connect the fact that God is the one in which uh, brings about meaning in life, uh, order in the world and any kind of justice and I think the way that he was saying it in the context that he was saying it, that he was not really believing in God because of what he had seen in World War II that kind of uh, brought about this crisis in faith. But I think it was a really great moment in the movie to, to show that with a naturalist, materialist worldview, there is no meaning in life besides what you create it to be. There is no order. We are, uh, in the words of Dr. Strange, a um, a tiny momentary speck floating in the world of indifference, um, a universe, uh, an indifferent universe. And so on the opposite worldview side, that if there is a God, and, and there is, then he is going to, by his very nature of who he is, bring about what life is supposed to be, the purpose for life and the order. Right. Good, that goodness, creates. right? The fact that like he was able to he understood that there if, if there is a god he is good and oftentimes you don't get that in films right the the idea is that if there's a god he's angry or he's you know he's he's manipulative um and uh, actually pro has another line too that that ties into that he says yes uh, he's talking about life and stuff he says yes it's sad the truth is sad back to that real nihilistic yeah kind of worldview right uh, and then he says later, he says, after death comes nothing, um, you know, back to what you're talking about, Jason, in regards yeah. to you know, how he views kind of um, things. He has a very jaded view. view yeah, of life. You, and you start you start out with he wants to see no one. He's just kind of enjoying himself. Right. In mm -hmm. the delights of, you know, he was he would get like his pastries two times a day. And he's all about <laughs> right. himself and decadence and just shutting out the world. He has this experience um, that we don't know if it was caused by hallucinogenics or if there's actually like at the very end, the the death scene, uh, there seems to be a suggestion that there was a spirit behind the death and he sees it. Um, but we don't know if it's the hallucinogenics or not, but it seems to have at least moved him back into um, finding a faith in something because at the very end then, he starts uh, seeing people and taking more cases and things like that. So you see a shift in him uh, and you see a shift because I think if I'm reading the movie correctly, you see a shift in him because you see a shift in his worldview and kind of moving yeah. back to like, there is, there is some kind of justice in the world. Yeah. So, okay. Going back to the first film, Murder on the Orient Express, uh, there was there was a couple lines in that movie that always stuck out to me, very similar to what we're talking about. So the beginning of the film, 
He says, uh, people say there is right, there is wrong, there is nothing in between. Then at the end of the film, when he finds out that basically uh, that, that all these people had killed this guy, even though it was out of revenge, they killed him and he felt some sympathy, some empathy for this family who had lost so much. He says, there was right, there was wrong, now there is you. And he says, I cannot judge this. You have to decide. Again, the whole movie, he's he's adamant. There's right, there's wrong. There's good, there's evil. And now he's like caught in a moment of unsure about that. Um, and, and again, so even a movie like this where, you know, it's a murder mystery. It's Agatha Christie. It's supposed to be kind of... Uh, you know, it is engaging. And I think that's one of the things that I, I enjoy about uh, a murder mystery is typically it's engaging because you're going along with the detective and you're trying to solve uh, the, the the kind of mystery. Uh, and so that's that's interesting. But here's this guy who, like you said, is having this crisis of faith. And so we see that again in the first film. Yeah. So it's a reoccurring kind of theme for this character. I think it, it makes sense for a character like his to even have a crisis of faith because facts are his friends, right? That's how he solves these crimes is he's so based on facts. And when you get into a plot line like this, right, and what they're dealing with, there's a fact that he has to deal with of whether there is, you know, just this life or something more than just this life. Yeah. And, and I think as with anything, because I, you know, um, I'm a fan of the the horror genre scary movies kind of thing and yeah. uh, so i think that there's always a there's always a a battle between good and evil and uh demonic uh beings versus like these these people who can fight the demons that kind of thing you didn't see as much of that in in this one uh because the the murder mystery theme plot line but you did have this sense of like is there a spirit world and what yeah. can they do and what kind of power do they have? And I think we're just, we're reminded, I think um, in terms of, from a biblical standpoint, not only that there is a God and he brings about purpose, meaning of life, order, um, justice, those things. But I think that there's also another reminder for us as believers that, that in reality, we do not struggle against uh, the flesh and blood, but, against the principalities and and so there is a there is a sense that that spiritual warfare is going on we don't have to be f afraid of it like they are in the movie like we're just afraid of the devil and afraid of it you know those uh spirits um because again we in that same context of ephesians chapter six you know how do you how do you deal with the spirit uh world and the schemes of the devil and that is to put on the armor of God, right? And to to deal with it that way. And I think there's a reminder just from this movie that yes, there is there is a spirit world, but we're also reminded from the biblical text that um that God has given us means to combat um the different um spiritual issues that come up, the schemes of the devil, typically often um moving towards, you know, trying to um to manipulate Christians thoughts and mind and move them into, you know, disobedience and doubting God and those kinds of things. Um, but I was just reminded of that as I was watching this movie of like, yeah, this is, 
communicating a worldview where there's a spirit world, not necessarily communicating like a Christian worldview of the spirit world. And, and there's that, I think, a difference as you sit and, and watch this movie. Which is probably, I'm trying to think of a, of a film that has done that, where they actually are communicating a actual Christian worldview. You, you get this spirit world, even with a lot of these films that deal with exorcisms are not really dealing with it from a Christian oh, worldview. No. They're dealing typically with a, a, um, a Catholic kind of worldview. And like you were saying, the fact that, you know, man is basically trying to have to go in there and do all this stuff, right? They're trying to raise man up in the situation. And then yet man always is unable to, you know, defeat it and, yeah. and can't do it on its own, right? The, the only one I can think of is the movie we went to see with... Um, with Nefarious. Nefarious. Nefarious, Nefarious yeah. is the movie song, right, right, which is basically, for those of you uh, that aren't familiar, it was a um, quasi-faith-based film that came out some months ago, uh, starring Sean Patrick Flannery. Um, it was written by two guys who had done some really successful faith-based films in the past, and it, it basically played as like kind of a modern screw tape letters, uh, yeah. where there's a skeptic coming in, and he's trying to figure out if a prisoner is actually possessed and the thing that they did about that that i thought was interesting was that for the most part they they stuck to you know some really interesting kind of biblical truths uh and that you had a guy who uh, or this demon that did understand the power of god and wasn't fearful of the man at all uh and and talked about, you know, just like we see in scripture in regards to how, you know, he was like, listen, I know more theology than you'll ever know. Like he was saying that. To the, and again, this stuff right out of scripture is really good. So, yeah, yeah you're right. That's true. That, that was probably the closest uh, one that we've seen kind of come out. Jason, I wanted to pick your brain. They used in the movie um, Ecclesiastes, a, a, a verse in there. Or no, was it? No, I'm sorry. Exodus. It started with me. I was close. Exodus uh, 22 18 and it's you know you shall not permit a sorceress to live yes talk us through that yeah well I mean uh, the original context of that is uh, Israel's going to the land uh, they're given the Mosaic Covenant and the Mosaic laws uh, that are wrapped up in that and so God is immediately uh, dealing with um, the the pursuit of knowledge and understanding of life and things like that through satanic means, right? And so they were to uh, basically cut off and deal with any kind of uh, uh, spiritist medium, that kind of thing. And in the movie, that's used in some ways to justify the killing of the uh, the medium uh, that comes in, and um, you know, who is a fraud? Who is a fraud, right? right. And and that was a, another interesting kind of uh, dynamic is you had like this doubting and the fraudulent means of trying to communicate with the spirit world or whatever. And then at the end, it seemed like that, no, there were some unexplained things happening um, as well. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so that was used, that verse was used in the movie, obviously not in its context, uh, uh, but, you know, to, in some sense, you know, say like it, she was uh, worthy of death, uh, if you will. Uh, Again, oftentimes you'll hear scripture used in uh, movies, sometimes as a quote to start a horror movie or a suspense film. 
uh, often used out of context. But again, I love these type of movies where we can go and even though it's kind of like a summer fun, or I should say fall now, kind of fun, supposed to be kind of a fun movie, there's still engaging stuff. Again, just as a reminder, we always have to be thinking like there is worldview stuff going on left and right. And yep. uh, we we have to like, again, I think it's actually fun. Like, I think if you actually really start, you can you can enjoy because you're looking for stuff. You're like, okay, what is the filmmaker trying to communicate to us? Uh, sometimes, it, what is the filmmaker communicating? They don't even realize they're communicating. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah. So I think there's always that that old adage that says uh, to beware of things, you need to be aware of them, right? Mm -hmm. And so as yeah. you as you sit and you and you basically take in any form of media whether that's movies or music or reading or uh, uh, media social media anything like there's things being communicated and so in order to just be really mindful of the world around you and navigate in a biblical way i think it is essential that we look at things with a biblical worldview lens even thinking about movies because most of the time people go to movies they just want to be entertained and then they leave you don't realize that in, in a lot of ways your thinking is being shaped by those things unless you are actively um, sorting that through and taking thoughts captive. Yeah. Like I always say, it's it's okay to consume, but not be consumed. Yeah. And so continually be like analyzing and critiquing. So, so uh, Bob Dickinson does a really good um, Think Biblically series. We call it Think Biblically about journalism, but it's really news media literacy. It kind of dives into a lot of this that we're talking about. That would be a really good listen for everybody as well. Shameless plug. Thanks for plugging mine too, Frills. Well, you can plug yourself. Wow, that doesn't sound self-serving at all. Uh, <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> also, we have Matt Green, who has his whole series on media. How to think and contribute. How do you consume? What? Forget it. Whatever. It's on CTB. You can listen to it. Uh, now you're not going to want to, but um, it's on there. You can check it out. <laughs> It's what this podcast was kind of born out of. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Not and really this is why I'm not invited to the movies with you guys anymore. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Real Profs, a production of the Center for Thinking Biblically. To support this ministry, please visit thinkbiblically.org backslash donate. To learn more about the Masters University on campus and online undergraduate and graduate programs, visit masters.edu.